You're listening to the Vernon Society Podcasts. I'm your host, Rowan Bristol, proprietor of Bristol Books. Bristol Books, located just by the Wilson Purple Line stop, where our motto is, if you bought it, you didn't buy it at Bristol Books. Today's shout-out goes to legendary author, philosopher, and all-around great honking goonie bird, Alvin Miller. Alvin is a considered student of apocalyptic theory, having witnessed the rapturing of billions by his very own hand. Although Alvin's 1986 seminal work is restricted to the confines of angelfire.com, Alvin was kind enough to provide this shop with his follow-up piece, My Inaugural Address at the Great White Throne Judgment of the Dead. In the work, Alvin proclaims himself God, throws out useless and obscure references, and holds his reading audience in blistering contempt. All of these admirable features aside, his work is the quintessential Kabbalah quest into the crossroads of Crazy Town, with chapters titled, I Must Rule, Instant Proof That You're in Hell, All Aboard My Time Machine, Twinkle Town, and an appendix devoted to the esoteric messages contained within Stairway to Heaven. If you want to know the mystic mysteries behind Radio Gaga, or just simply want to feel better about your own sanity, give Alvin a read at www.angelfire.com crazy spaceman. Which brings us to today's topic, the end of the world. There really isn't an experience quite like a Chicago winter. When Sammy Kahn wrote in the comfort of his Los Angeles office the quaint little song, Let It Snow, he had little understanding of the true apocalyptic nature of a winter endured by a city claimed by high winds, a massive lake, 30 frost giants, and an excessively petty winter queen. When a Chicagoan calls the weather bracing, it usually means that he securely fastened himself to some object lest the winds smash him into the upper regions of the Willis Tower. The Old Town School of Black Magic has a restriction on wintry meteoromancy due to the carnage caused by legendary former Dean of Students, Jane Byrne. Each year, the city gets darker and colder, and there's a feeling that this will be the last year ever. It's a tantalizing thought, the end of the world. Whether you're an economist, a physicist, a climatologist, a numerologist, or an avid Learning Channel viewer, you're aware of the circumstances by which everything we know could vanish in an instant. Loyola University's Cudahy Library has a written plan for handling a zombie apocalypse. And can I break for a moment and talk about the sheer ridiculousness of a zombie apocalypse? Any necromancer worth his stolen teeth knows that the average zombie has a shelf life only slightly shorter than an open container of cottage cheese. It's why they're better mushroom farms than weapons of mass destruction, but, but I digress. Everybody has their vision of how the world is going to end, nearly always being everyone I don't like or have never heard of has vanished forever and their vanishing was their fault anyway, so me and my friends will wander the city being sexy with rifles. Whether it's a zombie apocalypse, climactic catastrophe, or the rapture, it always involves being sexy with rifles. It's because of this that there have been over 250 historically recorded ends of the world that didn't happen. If you're a Jehovah's Witness, the Catholic Church, or the Republican Party, the world was supposed to end multiple times, with each date and every cliff being met, crossed, and with the world on the other side. What gets ignored so often is how many times the world has ended. Math, Lord of Summer, often calls the mortals he deals with Philistines. The mortals believe that their sense of taste and culture is something he doesn't like. 
What they don't know is that these mortals remind him of a seafaring trading culture from the Bronze Age, which he also didn't like. They know what they did. Subsequently, no one remembers the Elamites, the Cheddar Neanderthals, or the Go players of No Exit. The knowledge of these civilizations are obliterated. Alexandria, Warsaw, Prague, all gone, never to be found again. Whole populations have come and gone, whether by war, disease, or the lack of a decent coffee shop. And yet, like the exposed lawn chairs beneath the snowdrifts, come spring, there's always something there. Because the world doesn't end. Just your world. The fear and fantasy of the end of the world is the fear of change, and the wish that there is something you can hold on to after change happens. It's the wish and folly of Talafiara. She burnt the city, trying to build it in her image, and 20 years later, the image she created was burnt to the ground. But there are no ashes in the field of the Columbia Exposition. Instead, there are gardens, parks, and temples to wisdom and ingenuity. New buildings emerged, new architects, as well as new magic and new magical folk. Knowledge is not lost forever, because knowledge can always be discovered and grown upon. Our fair city has had over a dozen apocalypses, whether by fire, snow, battle, or gentrification. And yet it's still here. Tala's chill always submits to Bronwyn's blossom, and there is always and ever change. One day the world will end. For you, the best you can do is leave seeds for the next one to come. That's all for now. I'll be back soon with more stories, more fiction, and a two-for-run coupon for Live to Eat. Buy two limbs, get the third for free. And remember, the world will always be here, even if you're not. Farewell.